Hey listeners, this is your biohacker speaking, aka Katie. If there is one thing I dread, it is walking down the skincare aisle of my local pharmacy. There are just so many options to choose from, and I never really know if something is actually working. So that's why I reached out to Rachel Varga for some TLC and guidance through her one-on-one -on -one consultation. And honestly, there is just nothing better than putting your skincare regimen into the hands of someone you trust and who really takes the time to evaluate your skin type and then give you access to products you just won't find on supermarket shelves. Since I'm on camera almost all the time, I really can't afford to get a breakout or have my skin looking dry and flaky. Rachel's protocol has literally changed the texture and complexion of my skin to the point where I'm starting to get ID'd again, which makes you feel good at literally any age. So if you haven't booked your session yet, then head over to rachelvarga.ca to learn more. Welcome to Beauty and the Biohacker, where we explore the latest tools and trends in self-care, aesthetics, and peak performance to help you live your most beautiful life from the inside out. I'm your co-host, Rachel Varga, a board-certified aesthetic nurse specialist since 2011 with over 19,000 rejuvenation treatments performed on thousands of patients. And I'm Katie Moore, a self-proclaimed biohacker with three years of self-experimenting in the space of health and wellness technology. I'm on a mission to help you achieve success without sacrificing your health or happiness through my YouTube channel, Katie Type A. So join us as we sit down with some of the biggest innovators in the health space, the movers and shakers of the wellness world, and unpack some of the biggest secrets in the skincare and longevity space. We are Beauty and the Biohacker, and we're thrilled to have you along for the ride. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode on the Beauty and the Biohacker podcast. We have a pretty exciting guest today. And in today's episode, we're going to sit down with Wade Lightheart, the president and co-founder of BioOptimizers, to discuss digestion, enzymes, probiotics, muscle growth, metabolism, nootropics, biohacking, stacking. We are going to nerd out in this episode here. And let me tell you a little bit about Wade. He is an electrifying speaker that has the unique ability to transfer his drive, motivation, and wisdom to the audience members every time he speaks. And you'll feel it. You'll, you'll see what we're talking about here. He is also an advisor to the American Anti-Cancer Institute, certified sports nutritionist, three-time all-natural national bodybuilding champion, formal Mr. Universe competitor, author of the book, Staying Alive in a Toxic World. He's been in the health industry for over 25 years and has coached thousands of clients worldwide. Plus, Wade is a president and co-founder of BioOptimizers, which is what we're going to focus on today in the future of that company, which is really exciting. And BioOptimizers' core business creates and markets best-in-class nutritional supplements that are focused primarily on digestive health. Beyond digestive health, BioOptimizers is also actively developing products and services that will make it a key leader in the fields of both brain optimization and overall nutrition. Welcome, Wade. It is a pleasure to have you on the show here. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. And hopefully we can offer some value for our listeners today. And everybody can hang out with us here on the podcast. Be sure to hang out with us at beautyandthebiohacker.com as well. And you can check out the show notes, but we're also going to just mention you're going to get 10% off of everything we talk about here at BioOptimizers using promo code 
BNB10 for 10% off. Katie, why don't you kick it off with the first question of today's interview? Yeah, so I would love to kind of just get a quick like 30 second overview of how you got started. What was really that kind of, we all sort of in our biohacking, you know, lifespan had that like breaking point or that moment when we're like, this needs to be fixed, or I need to come up with a solution because it doesn't exist. What got you started down that path and, and kind of walk us through, you know, obviously you've had a ton of experience in the health and fitness world. So what was it that really set you off to say, I need to come up with a supplement mind that is going to fix X, Y, and Z? Great question. So there's no single event, but there's a series of key elements. Number one, when I was 15, my parents moved to a very rural place. My sister was sick and I took up bodybuilding because there was nothing else to do at five miles up a dirt road living in the woods. Um, I saw a magazine cover with Troy Zuclato, Mr. California, with two pretty girls driven mad with testosterone. I said, I need to get muscles because, you know, I bought the Joe Weider lie. I went to university, studied at university, and then at 22 years old, had a near-death experience which transformed my perception of reality. Um, at 27, um, I got to go to my first national championship and realized essentially it was a drug cult. But I do believe that bodybuilders were the first biohackers officially because they're offsetting uh, genetic limitations through uh, systematized training to overcome these processes. And then um, then after uh, I got into the supplement industry, I worked in every hour of personal training and coaching and everything. And after I returned from the Mr. Universe contest in 2003, I, at which I competed as a vegetarian because I had a whole another spiritual uh, event that happened a year before, which, you know, I spent time in an ashram and was a vegetarian and wasn't on drugs and you know it was kind of rad but after i did the mr universe because i was trying to do it as a meat-eating um vegetarian meat-eating mentality to a vegetarian performance lifestyle everybody said it couldn't be done we did it but i ran into major digestive issues 42 pounds of fat and water in 11 weeks i gained after the mr universe so i went from mr universe to mr marshmallow concordantly um, Matt, my business partner, was selling products and education materials online. So we decided, hey, we need to figure out how to make this avoid. And then the third uh, piece of that puzzle was a doctor who became my mentor at that time. He was a super vibrant senior citizen in his 70s that had overcome colon cancer and cirrhosis of the liver and had, was an uh, instrument in Bernard Jensen's recovery from bone cancer uh, in his 80s. And this guy just taught me all about enzymes and probiotics and rebuilding the digestive health. And it's not what you eat, it's what your digest, absorb and utilize. We went on his foundational system, transformed my own health, got my physique back, coached 15,000 people over the next four years as I worked out the performance parameters around aesthetics, because all these people were mostly sick. I wanted to not, I, I believe me, I loved working with sick people and helping sick people. And that was great. And I had a clinic in Vancouver at the same time. But I wanted to I wanted to build superhumans, right? Like I don't want Skodas, I want sports cars, and um, that's where Matt and I is our etymology is, and you can apply that principles to other areas. So I went two and a half minutes here, but that's where we started our pre foundations for the educational materials, and that led into supplements in 2005. Our first product was Masszymes. And we made a policy and a pact with ourselves. Number one, we're on a mission to end physical suffering and activate what we call biologically optimized health. I can get into that in a minute. But third, that we would only produce products that were first in class, best in class. If we couldn't do that, we would not enter the category. 
So that's how we got started. And then now over the last few years, we've become probably, I would say one of the more trusted brands in the entire biohacking health optimization industry. So you said something really interesting there, activating ourselves. Can you expand on that? Cause, and don't, don't be afraid to get a little bit woo here as well, biohacking and all that. But what did you mean by that? Well, okay. So within any single organism, uh, living organism, there is an, an innate potential, which is within the genetic code. So for example, acorns will never turn into tulips, but an acorn will not become an oak tree unless the right conditions exist in order to bring that forth. You could sit it on a table for a hundred years and nothing happens, put it in the right soil with a little bit of water and some sunshine, boom, oak tree, not a tulip, oak tree. So within each individual uh, in the human species in particular, there is an innate potential uh, within that. And unfortunately, much of that potential today is being shortchanged because we didn't understand the limits or, or, or the effects of rapid technological innovation in and, and what happens when you put billions of people in urban cities and create factory farming using a array of chemicals. So now we have an increased life expectancy and an increased disability adjusted life expectancy. So people are expected to spend on prescription medications for the last quarter of their life. Children today are expected to live uh, less longer than their parents for the first time in American history. And yet there is another breakaway group of people who are living longer, living stronger, being vital, being healthy. And they're leveraging technology, and this is called the biohacking industry, who are looking at strategic innovations that may lead to potential breakthroughs in both lifespan and quality of life, health span. We call it the biospan as the fusion between your health span and your lifespan. And so the idea is you want the arc to be as high as possible. You want as much health and vitality and the closer realization of the innate potential within you. The biggest, brightest, healthiest oak tree in the forest, if you will. And you want that potential to be extended as or certainly the active potential until it's time for you to make the, the exit, right? The inevitable exit that all humans make. And so our goal is to identify first are what are the original ob obstacles that are universal? And that's why we started in digestion. 100 million people have digestive problems any given day. And there's good evidence to support cancer, heart disease, diabetes, and medical air. The four leading causes of death are correlated to our diets and lifestyle. The Surgeon General said that 90% of the illnesses they treat is related to diet and lifestyle. And we have a, a vast array of foods that we've never created for, genetically modified foods, genetic chemicals, preservatives, dyes, um, processed foods, all of these things which are unique to the evolutionary process, which has gone on for billions of years. And so we had to identify those we, which we do really well, we can get people from sick to healthy relatively quick if it's digestive related. And then it's like, okay, but now we've got our brains don't work right because we're addicted to phones. 
um, we can't concentrate for long periods of times. Our nervous system is overclocked because we're sailing into blue light and pounding caffeinated drinks like they're going at a style. So how do we offset um, the consequences of our currently digitally integrated lifestyles? And that's what we do. One of the things that you brought up that I kind of want to sort of dive into the um, deep end with you on is digestion. This is obviously something that I think a lot of people listening to this show are going to relate to. And I got started with your products using Masszymes. And for the first time, I actually could feel what enzymes do and how they work as opposed to, you know, trying papaya enzyme, or there's so many on the market these days, your products are different. I would love for you to, first of all, talk about what is that like kind of differentiating factor from all of the other enzymes and, and different types of, you know, supplements for aiding digestion on the market. And then let's talk about what is the right protocol to take? Should you still be eating that crappy food and taking the mass enzymes to basically offset that? Or how should somebody integrate this into their lifestyle if they are addicted to glucose right now, if they're on a high carb diet, et cetera? Great questions. So let me first describe what an enzyme is. Um, The only thing that does work in the body are enzymes and probiotics. And probiotics are essentially mobile uh, symbiotic units that work with their body that produce a variety of enzymes. Enzymes are the difference between the living and the dead. Stones, plants, people are defined not only by the structure of them, but how enzymes interact with the DNA of that organism. And it's important to think of DNA like a Tesla coil that amplifies electrical signal. If you want to get into the physics, that's a whole other trip. We could go there at some point. But from a biochemical standpoint, enzymes have both a biological and a chemical nature. And there's evidence that they also quantum tunnel if you want to get into physics. They're pretty far out things. But let's just think of them as your metabolic bank account. The more enzymes that you have can produce, consume, and utilize. So you can produce some enzymes, you can consume some enzymes, but the the total amount of that is going to determine how many metabolic checks you can write and how long you can write those checks for. And this was proven by Dr. Edward Howe way back in the 40s when he did all these trials on animals enzymatically rich diets, enzymatically deficient diets, and what happened to them by third generation. And animals fed an enzymatically deficient diet, i.e. cooked food, because all cooking eliminates food once it goes past 114 degrees, living it's all enzymes. Then by the third generation, that species lost the ability to procreate. They had weird genetic diseases and strange sociological behavior that was not normal for those species. And he predicted this would happen to mankind after World War II because of what we did from commercial farming. Very simple. Now, I'm not gonna, I'm not condemning it. I'm not saying it's a conspiracy. We thought these were just good ideas that we had to deal with the explosion of the population, but now we're reaping the consequences of those decisions. Enzymes themselves are categorized in a variety of different animal, uh, categories. So there are, um, Digestive enzymes, metabolic enzymes, systematic, uh, systemic enzymes, 
And there's about 25,000 different enzymes uh, reactions that we know of in the body, probably thousands more that we have yet to discover. They're essentially catalysts. They convert one thing to something else. And so every species on the planet, when it eats a living organism, gets the enzyme potential of that organism along with the protein, carbohydrates, fats. This was omitted out of our concept of food. And so what happens is now we have to manufacture digestive enzymes in order to break down the food that we consume, which is we're the only species that does that. Every other species eats its food in a live enzymatically rich environment. We cook, process, and package our food where we destroy the enzymes because enzymes is essentially controlled rotting. You put enzymes on a bag of chips and guess what? The chips will digest very quickly. If you don't, they'll sit on that shelf for five years. So that's the controlled breakdown is through enzymes. Now, enzymes are categorized. There's plant-based enzymes. There's animal-based enzymes. There's systemic enzymes. There's digestive enzymes. And there's cultured enzymes. And so what most people will see and be familiar with on the market is either a plant-based enzyme or an animal-based enzyme. The difference between the two, the animal ones were extracted from an animal. In other words, those enzymes were collected from the cadaver and then used for specific things. Like ox bile is probably one of the most common ones that are used in some key formulas that people might use or utilize. What's interesting, though, is plant-based enzymes are much more robust in that they um, operate in a, a far greater range in um, pH levels. So as a general rule, if you're looking at between a plant enzyme and a, an animal-based enzyme, plant enzyme is probably going to get more work done. There are specific reasons why you might use uh, animal-based enzymes. We don't use animal-based enzymes. There's some out there, you know, if that's what your thing is, go for it. Now, a systemic enzyme, um, so something like serapeptase or serapeptidase, depending on its origin, it's something that is well known about taking scarring out of the body, for example. So you take serapeptase or buildup or nanokinase, or you know, there's all these different specific enzymes which are used in medical situations or in healing situations, which have a profound effect. They have no impact on digestion. And then there is uh, digestive enzymes, enzymes that are used. They can be either plant-based or animal-based, but then there's this other category of enzymes. And this is where we enter into the market. And it's called cultured enzymes. And so um, enzyme science over the last, say, 100 years has uh, grown exponentially in its capacity. And almost every single industrialized food company uses some type of enzymes in their processes to accelerate, catalyze, to optimize, to make a variety of different engineering of, of your food system work better. What we did is we take very specialized enzymes, grow them on specific compounds. It's a highly secretive process. It's a very small group of people who actually have access to this. And we have a lab that we work with to test our products. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But we're able to develop enzymes, what they're called cultured enzymes using these methodologies, 100 to 1,000 times more powerful than an enzyme listed on a, on a bottle. So for example, you look at, you walk to the store shelf, there's one bottle that's 20 bucks and one that's 150. And it says it has protease, amylase and, 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 and lipase. Well, what's the difference between those two? 
One is using either animal or plant-based enzymes. One is using cultured. And the more expensive you go, the cultured enzyme is going to have a far greater impact. So when people said, well, I've tried enzymes and I know what they're like, I'm like, well, try ours. And one of the great acid tests that you do is like a bowl of oatmeal. Throw a couple of our capsules in a bowl of oatmeal and stir it up and watch what happens. It digests it. We digest steaks on video, uh, you know, in time-lapse video, which would work much faster in your body. But we've, we've developed processes over the last 17 years to make our enzymes more potent, more effective, more universal. And we strategically place different enzymes at different ratios based on the dietary habits of the population. So mass enzymes, which are en enzymes for the masses, have 17 particular cultured enzymes and enzymes cofactors that'll digest just about anything that you eat. And then there's specific enzyme formulations that we have cultivated for specific diets, which are leaned more based on that dietary practice. Can you tell us a little bit about, well, I know that Katie and I are really interested in how you manufacture and how you store. So we'll let uh, Katie get into the weeds of that one. Cause I don't know if you know this, but Katie's a professionally trained journalist. So she knows how to ask all the right questions. Well, also um, I, I won't give away some of our, obviously our trade secrets or whatever, but I will uh, provide you. So, in the world of enzymes, there are raw material specialists who different parts of the world, for example, proteolytic enzymes, there's a lot that come out of Japan. Japan is, and most Asian cultures are superior in their enzyme formulation. They spend a lot more time and energy. Enzymatic and fermentation processes are, have been inside their cultures for thousands of years and they're, they're fairly sophisticated. So a lot of your raw enzymes that you're going to get are going to come either from uh, Japan or China. There are some enzymes which are coming out of Europe in, in, in different types. And then there are lab-based enzymes, which are usually from the pharmaceutical side, which they're using specific enzyme formulations that you can sometimes access as a nutrition company. Sometimes you can't because some are pharmaceutical grade and, and where, where they're designated. So, so for example, Japan... Enzymes are classified as drug in a, like a drug category. Same thing in Germany. Um, so they see these as medical intervention devices, which is not the case in the United States, which is a little more free flowing. And of course, China will produce anything. And there's a, a, a wide range of uh, quality that comes from those sources. And you can oftentimes they'll invite you say, well, do you want this quality, this quality or this quality? Then you take all those uh, multiple sources from around the place and you bring it into house. You test to see that it is what it is. Um, and, you know, after this many years, you, you get to know who, who's making the right products and stuff. And then you strategically combine it and test it in your own lab and see what happens and see if you can get an, uh, a result that works. So in taking mass enzymes, I, you know, I, I mentioned before, it, it was honestly something that changed the game for me in my perception of what you can actually get from enzymes. But the issue that I could see is people becoming dependent on them, right? Like just what is that, like, do you recommend cycling on and off and how often should that happen? Or could you literally take these every single day for the rest of your life? And is that healthy? So maybe just kind of give us, you know, walk us through that, um, 
sort of overview of, of what your relationship should be like when it comes to digesting food? Well, this is a question that's of debate amongst the elite within the health industry. And what I find fascinating about it is if you look at all the species on the planet, they eat an enzymatically rich diet. In other words, a, a tiger that takes down a zebra will eat the entrails where the probiotics and enzymes are present, then it eats the carcass. But all that food is in a live state. All, all carcasses contain an, an enzyme called cathospin that becomes activated when that animal dies, which aids in the digestion of that process, whether it's killer whales eating seals, or you know, dolphins eating fish, tigers eating gazelles, all the carnivorous animals um, have digestive systems that allow for the, the digestion of that because it's easy to consume. A bear, which is an, uh, an omnivore that's having both salmon or blueberries, let's say, is also eating its uh, food in an enzymatically rich state. And then if you have cows or horses, they tend to eat enzymatically rich sprouts, the, the, the freshest things that it can possibly get, because every time you consume enzymes with your food, you preserve your own enzymatic capabilities. Now, there's a thing I call turkey dinner syndrome, and we've all experienced it. Thanksgiving dinner, Christmas dinner, you have gathered the family around, you have the big turkey, the potatoes and the dressing and the carrots and all, a lot of healthy food, what would be categorized as healthy food. Then you go back for another helping and then, you know, grandma brings out the apple pie or whatever it happens to be the special thing and you go for another one and then what happens? You've just had the biggest, healthiest meal of the year, plus maybe a few you know, spoilers. And where's everybody going? They're making the dive for the couch, the rocking chair. They're lying on the floor. They're passed out within an hour and drools running down your face. And you kind of wake up and like, what happened? I kind of checked out. Well, why is that? Well, because you've actually put a massive amount of calories into the system, most of which has been cooked. And that means your body's limited manu enzymatic manufacturing capability has to go and produce all these enzymes. But you're producing 25,000 different types of enzymes in your body. Your overall production capacity has been overloaded. So it takes enzymes out of your brain. It takes enzymes out of your muscles. It takes enzymes out of all these processes, shunts them into the digestive process, and gets to work on this massive meal that you ate in order to metabolize it. Now, we know that the biggest consequence to every single disease state there is is overeating. And we as a society overeat because of the rash availability of food. The thing is, we consume all this food without enzymes. Every other species on the planet eats an enzymatically rich diet. It is as important as protein, carbohydrates, fats, cellulite, like it just is. And there is this uh, complete overlooking of this component in nutrition. I was a high performance athlete. I had the best coaching in the world. I can get ripped on 15 different diet strategies. It's not hard. The science is proven and done and every, why there's all these mysteries around it. But what I wasn't able to do is do so without creating damage on my, on my digestive component. And when I corrected that and bodybuilders who consume more food than most people, 
And then they go through these periods of restriction to get into contest state. But as an overall, they eat more food. The number one difficult obstacle for people in that industry is to get over the digestive issues because they got to eat so much food and train. We identified that as a problem with my own screw ups. And I was like, we got to fix this. And so it took us four years to figure this out and 15,000 clients to kind of figure out how do we address this issue? And so the difference between myself and Matt, the co-founder of the company, and most of the uh, specialists who are weighing in in this conversation is they're operating from a limited perspective because they, they, they put about two paragraphs in on, on enzymes that they're required for everything. And then it's not dealt with in the nutrition book after that. And that omission is had devastating effects on the entire nutrition industry. I also think it is why some people will gravitate towards a ketogenic diet and some people will go to a plant-based diet. Some people can metabolize sugar very easily. Some people can't. Some people can have alcohol. Some people can't. What we have noticed is that um, usually through an uh, either genetic inheritance, exposure to toxic chemicals, or uh, an overconsumption of processed foods of a given category early in life will usually lead to an enzymatic deficiency on that particular pathway, which will lead to some pathogenic development. So when people say, oh, I, I can't eat this because I get infected or get stuffed up, well, they got undigested proteins, or I don't make the, the, the neuropeptide uh, chains to make my brain happy, or I can't seem to have fat. I get fat in my stools or I get breakouts on my skin all the time, or I'm not able to metabolize carbohydrates. Well, you trace back the things. They ate too much sugar. They had rancid fats. They had chemicalization that got into their fat process. Maybe they, uh, they had uh, you know, poor proteins in their diet and, and, or took a lot of antibiotics and destroyed their protein digesting capabilities. And you can trick it back. And then you can oftentimes provide high dosages of enzymes for a period of time. And many of these symptoms then go away, which is fascinating. And that was the foundation of what Dr. O'Brien mentored us in. And we applied it. And the next thing you know, we've got a kind of a worldwide following around digestion. And I'm, I'm asked that question a lot. And there's a fear, I think, within the nutrition industry. And that fear is based uh, with lack of experience that, well, if I take enzymes every time, I'm going to be dependent on it. Well, that's actually innate to every species diet. You mentioned something really interesting that every living thing has enzymes. Rocks doesn't have enzymes, but you know, animals, plants have enzymes. And then you also mentioned something about quantum physics. So let's get a little bit woo here for a moment. Would you postulate that life force, for example, according to traditional Chinese medicine, if there's some tie between life force and enzymes and our ability to be our most vibrant beings possible? I mean, yes, we want to be vibrant. We want to be beautiful. We want to be radiant. Is there some type of like transference with enzymes that you've become aware of? Because I know you're super passionate about enzymes. I want to dig, dig a little deeper here on that. I would say that, that anecdotal experiential reality, there is an absolute correlation between uh, enzymatic uses and life force. And one might say, well, why is that? If we look at what's happening at a mitochondrial level, we're looking at what's called electron covalent transfer. That is electrons. And some people would say you can go below that and that's biophotonic energy that is being converted by our mitochondria. And actually we know that that actually produces light 
an energy that is recognizable by the human observational tools called our senses. And we even use this in our language. Oh, that person is dark and somber and depressed. They're light, bright, and full of life. Well, what is that determination? Now, in Eastern philosophy, there is a concept called chi. Well, prana, whatever, life force, uh, French called it a vital. I actually wrote a book about this a long time ago called Vital uh, Power. And there is a, a practice, whether that's Taoist uh, practices, Qigong, um, pranic meditation, where you are actively and consciously bringing in the life force inside the body through breathing techniques, visualization, energy, sensory, and anyone that's done any of those uh, processes under the guidance of a someone who's got some skills in it can legitimately feel I can make my hands hot. I can feel sexual energy move up through my spine. I can project more energy in a room, whether that's, you know, Mike Tyson going to nail somebody or it's, 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 I can radiate more empathy and compassion and what we celebrate in Hollywood, for example, our biggest celebrities, there's some sort of magic energy that is palpable around those people. That's why they, the camera loves them. They, they, they have a radiance energy that is transmitted above the words, above the communication. We also see this in master healers. We see this in oftentimes in spiritual figures, great leaders, sometimes uh, athletic stars. There is a, there's a je ne sais quoi feel and we we all know it we can see it and we can feel it we also know when people lose it maybe to illness uh tragic events in their life financial thing there's there's events that can happen that will cause us to lose life force food is definitely one of those things it's not as big as maybe some of these other things and so you go well why is that i'm going to propose that we are not we have been conditioned in the West to believe that we are these chemistry bags. We're a bag of chemicals, mostly water with some chemical transitions, with some proteins and a bunch of junk floating around. Okay, well, that's one perspective. If we turn up the microscope more, we're mostly empty space. And if we're mostly empty space, what are we really? Well, when you get down to quantum realities, we're uh, condensed waves. And this was proven about 100 years ago at the Copenhagen Conference, which just shattered the Newtonian paradigm of causality and into a set of potentials that become activated over time. There's some argument that's why we have what is perceived as free will, because the future is so adaptive on the potentials. There's a guy by the name of, the, of Dirac who called the collapse of the wave function, which meant that as you focus intention through magnitude and intensity by the amount of energy directed, the appearance of that is increases in probability and likelihood. The woo-woo people say, I'm manifesting. The um, uh, engineer types is we're making a vision or a dream come true. Or some people might say that's setting goals a uh, university saying we're doing a course curriculum. Uh, you can put it whatever languaging you want, but I think at the end of the day, we can all walk into a room and feel a good vibe. We can walk into a room and feel bad vibe. What are we picking up? We are picking up on the frequency, the intensity, 
and the energy field coming off or through us at that particular moment and deciding that's something we want to be with or we don't. And so I think that when I've witnessed so many people come from a deficient enzymatic level and by adding enzymes into it, what I do believe it increases the conversion of whatever you're consuming into uh, a, a more efficient uh, electron stream. And that can result in amplification or it frees up the prana that you've been generating to make your own enzymes to break down food. And that energizes. I'm not sure which is which. I think it's both. But um, after 17, 18 years of doing this, I can honestly say that uh, I would not want to give up my enzymes for any reason because my quality of life is, uh, I think, extraordinary because of them. Yeah, I would love to steer the conversation uh, back to nootropics and kind of get, you know, take us from this very uh, ethereal plane and, and sort of bring us back to, to earth. Um, and let's let's talk a little bit about uh, Utopia. And I I have, you know, I was the classic biohacker who started not with my gut, not with meditation, but with nootropics, because why? I wanted to be smarter. And so I dabbled with everything I could possibly get my hands on. Some worked, some were just a waste of time and money. And so I'm curious, coming into a space that is so saturated, what are you guys doing and you don't have to tell, tell us all your trade secrets, but I'd love to know a little bit about what you guys are doing, what these formulations are, how you're going to customize them, personalize them for people, because it is not a black and white like market. You can't just take one thing and think it's going to affect you the same way it's going to affect somebody else. It's so intentional and personalized. Walk us through Newtopia and let us know where the secret sauce is. Well, before I do, I'm going to take a shot of Xander juice. Okay, well, we're going to need to get a bottle of that ASAP. <laughs> one of my favorite nootropics uh, for conversation. So nootropics. Let's get with the basic definition of nootropics. Nootropics are um, chemical agents either produced by the body or exogenously or through a combination of those two endogenous and exogenous processes that enhance various cognitive functions in the body. Most of the nootropics that have been known to work have been made by pharmaceutical organizations to start with have a variety of negative consequences. Particularly, they were uh, a, a lot of them were addressed whether you could get into the more harsher drugs. And, and I'm not advocating any of these things. Just let's be clear about this. But let's talk about the history of this. If you take uh, cocaine, you take Adderall, you take Speed, you take uh, the, all the ADHD drugs. Um, if you take Modafinil, these are all chemical extractions of specific combinations of chemicals that lead to maybe focused or increased drive or influence of dopamine receptor mechanisms and stuff like that. The spin on those leaves a dirty chemical thing. So it's like the old cars that just go fast, don't handle that well, and pollute the oxygen in, in the air. And so 
the health and wellness industry said, well, let's go back to Ayurvedic medicine. Let's go to Chinese medicine and look at the herbals because many of the drugs were derivatives of that. The herbals tend to be better tolerated and less potent. And so there's an array of herbal combinations that are out there. Now, neuroscience as it is in the Western world of where these are developed, poo-poo's Chinese medicine. Uh, and they, they don't see the cross correlation, but this is something that we do. Dr. Charles Poliquin, the uh, nutritionist and strength coach who trained gold medalists in 27 different sports, was the first person I became aware of that bridged the gap between Eastern philosophy and, brain, and, and, and Western science and that he realized the Chinese model actually addressed neurochemical dominance. I cannot thank Charles Poliquin for this because he would give what's called a Braverman test, which would determine what is the dominant neurochemicals. So in athletes, he said, you are not going to be a gold medalist if you do not have an acetylcholine or dopamine-based neurochemistry. Forget it. You're just not going to stick with it. You're not going to have the drive. You're not going to get the reinforcement patterns. You're not going to be able to tolerate the pain you know, then there's more artistic types, which, uh, or emotionally serotonin, acetylcholine, GABA. And what's interesting is he realized that there was a correlation between neuroscience and Chinese medicine. And we're like, oh, well, that means we have unique neurochemistry. And so Matt and I, crazy biohackers that we are, just started buying ingredients and capping up really bad tasting stuff that had a variance effects. And we have slightly different neurochemistries. And what we would notice is he would like something I wouldn't. Then at the same time, there was a wide variety of offerings that came out in the nootropic world, most which were dealing with um, nervous system stimulation. In other words, let's crank the nervous system, stim, 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 and the drivers, the dopamine driving people, or they said a choline dominant will get something out of it, but they're going to need more and more. And it's really a second rate cousin to these harder drugs like Adderall and modafinil that, that, that half of Ivy league and is, is dependent on in order to get their grades. We're like, that's not going to work because we need to get to customize. And the good news was, is on our quest, we went through a lot of people, a lot of places, and we found a guy who had um, a history of neurochemical issues in his family. And he happened to have a very high IQ and was dealing with the, some very elite people who he was customizing blends for. And so we got him to start customizing blends for us based on what was going on. And the results were great. And what was great is we could dial something in for Matt and we could dial something in for me. So then we opened it up for our team. Like, well, what about this guy and that guy. And so we started doing this and then it became so fun because we were able to increase the productivity of our team members radically. Our business started to grow exponentially and it started to grow while feeling like it was easier. And so we're like, okay, this is significant impact. Dealing with our chemist though, he's like, well, I've got all these different things to do. And so we said, hey, how about we just buy your company and we do what we do. We're good at customer service. We're good at sales. We're good at marketing. We're good at systems and operations that we built over 18 years. And we just put you in the lab 
figuring people out and optimizing those systems to do that. And so that's what we did. And we came up with this company, which we call Newtopia, which is a utopia for your mind. And our first offering was kind of crazy. We released nine different nootropics simultaneously. Now, why we did that was because we know that individual nootropics, which are a combination of these herbal-based combinations in the right amounts and the right dosage, and there's a whole business on extraction. That's a huge thing. That's a whole other rabbit hole we, we can talk about. But not, not only did they work independently, but you could stack different types of nootropics to get different states. So you could take this, this, and this and become calm, clear, and creative. You could do this, this, and this and become super social in the life of the party. You could do this, this, and this and become hyper-focused and laser that you got to dial in on stuff. And each person that we tested had their unique combinations based on their brain. Now, when you're looking at your brain chemistry, I would say there's dominance is the one factor. Depletion, which is usually related to dominance because you'll tend to try and get more of what you good. And then we have what I call deficiency. The, the, the neuropeptides that you don't have or the nootropic formulations that you're not able to manufacture because there's something deficient in your diet or in your, in your, your, how you metabolize your food and convert that. So for example, if you have certain probiotics that are missing in your body, your chances of making serotonin are at sufficient levels are zero, which is quite common nowadays. Well, we develop probiotics that make those neurochemicals, but then now we provide the raw building and materials so those guys can convert to the polypeptide chains that make your neurochemicals. So we started doing this. And what happens is people fill out a little questionnaire, which is kind of like a mini Braverman test. And from our experience, we realize like, oh, they're probably this, 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 and this, they get their formulation. And then that's when the magic begins. They, we have a sequence of how they take the products and try different ones. And then they provide the feedback to our chemists, which products they like, which ones they didn't like, which ones were too much, which ones were too little. And we can turn up or turn down the formulations based on that feedback and then customize that box. So by the time you've gone through about three months of this, first off, you're sold because you now find the exact formula that turns your crank and probably two or three different variants. The next thing is, is now you get to customize more of what you want and you squeeze out of that, what you don't. So we're the first publicly available, customizable nootropic company that allows you to dial in your brain exactly for your unique chemistry and what you want to achieve from a performance parameter without any of the negative side effects that are associated with drug use without the overclocking of the neuros, uh, the, the neurological system. And our customer retention on that is insane because once it's an extreme disadvantage, if you're not on nootropics in today's world, it really is. We, we have to try and keep up to the pace of change. And that's what Newtopia is here to do. When we talk about biohackers kind of leading the way in optimization, human potential, human optimization, being superhuman, as our friend Dave Asprey likes to say, I definitely think that nootropics is it at this point. And then it's going to be this whole conversation in human choice point around transhumanism. And when you're talking about optimization through different nootropics, I can't help but think about 
other products on the market that we see today in the biohacking space that actually had previous military use. And the reason I'm talking about this is because, for example, I have intelligence in my background. And that something like this could be so incredibly useful depending on what field of work you're in. So I'm just curious, do you have some type of, uh, you know, product or something that you're working on with, with the extraction process and all that, that can even help to develop things like intuition or encourage things like that? I'm just uh, curious. I'll answer that somewhat politically. Um, because you can't make claims in our field. And I certainly want to lead people. What I would say is that the human organism has potentials far greater than is what is limited by our normal sensory experience. And I would say that many people are actually, their sensory experience is being conditioned through uh, an unintended cybernetic connection. In other words, if we look at social structure, human structure, how it's changing through technology, I would say it's pretty clear that the variance um, is going in a certain direction that is concerning for someone like myself that hasn't gone digitally. Now, that being said, my business partner's all on, like plug me into Neuralink, jack me in, boot me up, keep going. I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum and that's Matt and I oftentimes are. And that's, I like the contemplative, intuitive meditation component and uh, a decoupling from the cybernetic experience. So I think we're in an evolutionary shift. And if you guys have read Homo Deus, I think, which is a great book. Uh, it's, it's, it's the second book from uh, Sapiens by uh, Noah Harari, Yuval Noah Harari. And Inside of this, he talks about the, the you know, the this past species and sapiens that existed. There was Cro-Magnon, there was Neanderthals, there was Homo florentis. There was like five major species that we're aware of where Homo sapiens emerged. Well, now with the fusion of genetic engineering, um, technology, we're seeing mutations. So is there's Homo digitalis, which I call integrated, or Homo cyborgus. Um, we've got Homo geneticus. Um, then we have regular homo sapiens, and then we have a version of homo genetic, uh, cybernetic, cyberneticus, and then we have homo spiritus or homo unitus. I'm betting on the latter. Matt's not in my camp. <laughs> I'll be clear about that. Not that he doesn't have a spiritual practice, but he's, saying he, he's more of the, the singularity is unavoidable. I'm like, I think biological organisms may run into a doomsday event such as a giant solar flare. And if we're too dependent on these electrical transmissions, we might lose an entire civilization, let's say 200 years from the world that are completely dependent on their neural links and these uh, brains that are subjected to the challenges of solar radiation. So to me, I see such a proliferation of biological organisms. I feel that that is the superior evolutionary development over four and a half billion years. And I have a hard time thinking that humans in our limited time on the planet have come up with a superior program. But I, most people in the smart camp would say that, Wade, you're a Neanderthal and I'll probably die one. This is going to be the next choice point. We're going to be transhumans or we're going to not choose to do that. And right. I'm in your camp. I'm going to be on the nootropic 
the Newtopia, Newtropics bandwagon when this happens. And the, like, this is pretty deep stuff. So I think we'll just kind of end Talk it there. Talk the shallow water. <laughs> I am on the opposite camp. I am sorry, guys. I know where the future is. And I, I, will, I will wave to you guys as I have my Neuralink going up to Mars. Bye. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I understand. And I think, I think it's very hard to predict what two or 300 years ago is going to look like. But if you look at the Varana Shastras, I think the story of our evolutionary history has been totally... Um, it's, it's totally fake what we believe. The Varana Shastras, uh, an ancient Indian text of many thousand years ago, describes in great detail the mechanics of flight, wind currents, etc. I mean, these stories they tell us about the development of these ginormous civilization things like pyramids and stuff that we don't have the ability to produce at the same level. So you're telling me that 30,000 slaves drug these rocks up here? No, they didn't. And uh, some of the things that are under the ocean and things like that. I believe that uh, civilization is on a cyclic event. There are rising and ascending levels of ability and stuff. I don't think there's anything new under the sun. We might be in an ascension phase. But I also think that if we look at the oldest, longest surviving groups are uncivilized groups on this planet. Where are all these advanced cultures? Well, I think their dependence on technology wiped them out. I will, I will definitely give you that. I will say... And and one of the things that I've actually learned in the last few years of biohacking, we can kind of wrap up from here, is it, there has to be a balance. Because if you do too much of one thing or too much of another, there then you start to you know you 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 kind of go crazy or you or you get so stagnant in your own ways. And so I firmly believe the future is really going to be a perfect blend, a mix of some of this tech and and some of the kind of the nature practices and and more of that but like if you don't have both in the in the equation i yeah i just i see trouble happening for so many people so that's where i'm i'm trying to strike a balance for myself moving to hawaii helped a lot with that but that's also kind of the message i want to share with other people is like you don't have to do just one of those things you can do both and it's okay well here's a question for you though um, as AI becomes more integrated inside our society, how would you know? When well, you that more you, you see, you're that's not the problem. Of, you're not capable of determining that. Just like most yeah. kids today cannot conceive of the world without the internet. I know, and it's phone. yeah, and and that is certainly going to be the biggest issue that we face as a society is not even perceiving when it happens right in front of our face, you know? And so it's a little scary. It's a little doomsday. I don't want to end on that note. I want to end on a, a better note, um, which is, you know, some of the stuff that you can do right now to further your life right now and basically optimize your future. You know, it starts with just taking care of yourself, right? Like a lot of this comes back to the self, right? And, and if you want to show up in the world for other people, if you want to be a better wife, a better mentor, a better student, like you, you have to put your oxygen mask on first. And so a lot of that does stem from taking care of your own body, mind, and spirit. And so, you know, I think we, we covered a lot of that today. And uh, so 
I think, you know, that's, that's really great place for people to kind of, they want to learn more. And you guys have so much educational content, which I commend you guys for when, when I got my box of the bio optimizers supplements, I was just, I was amazed at how much like how many resources and how much information that you had in there. You're not just throwing pills at people. You're really educating them. And I, I commend you guys for that so much. Thanks. Um, well, you know, you cannot supplement your way out of a bad lifestyle. The foundation of your philosophy needs to be grounded and it needs to be extremely mindful of the momentum that is built into civilization right now to take you into dependency on the pharmaceutical industrial complex. Your marketing, your advertising, your lifestyle, your job choices, your distraction units, the TV, the phone, the computer, all of those are working against you and the statistics and evidence are overwhelming. So step one, recognize where you are at. The obstacles are real. And if you do not develop a conscious practice around your health, you will become dependent on that system because that's what it's designed to do. Second, I have created a philosophy called the Awesome Health Formula. We'll give it away to you guys. It's, I give it away for free. It's 12 weeks, the foundational principles, air, water, exercise. Those three things, a deep breathing practice, the, and, and, and a focus on hydration every day of the cleanest possible water that you can get and you can infuse it with a lot of different things and daily exercise that you are going to do. You need to cover those three things before you do anything else, before you pick up your phone, before you go to the gym, like before you do anything, you have got to invest in your health. If you do not do that, you will pay the consequences of mother nature is brutal. It has laws. You follow those laws you do okay. You don't follow those laws. It doesn't care about you. You die uh, or you get suffering. So that's the first thing. Uh, exposure to sunlight, living in houses, we haven't got enough light. Light is probably the biggest amplifier of everything. Get out in the sun, get your skin exposed to the sun as much as possible. Run around naked in your neighborhood if you have to. It'll cause a lot of entertainment if nothing else. And then, you know, what are the things that make your, your, your body work? Enzymes, probiotics, minerals, vitamins, essential amino acids, essential fatty acids, and herbs. So healthy, natural state diet with good digestion so that you can absorb and utilize those things. Get the right mindset. Instead of turning on CNN, instead of turning on the news, instead of turning on the latest uh, garbage, in that morning when you're going for that walk, you're going for the run, you're going for the workout, you're going for the yoga session, Put on something that uplifts you, makes you feel good. I don't care if it's dancing to 70s disco or listening to the latest Joe Dispenza CD. Do whatever you need to do. Listen to that. And then number, number the biggest thing is it's very hard to be all that you can be right now today if you don't have the right education, you don't test where you're at, and you don't have coaching. Get a coach that's already done that pathway. Get them to shortchange the time. Put those things into your life step by step. You're on your way, you're biohacking, and you'll connect with people that are in that field and the answers will all come to you by your intensity of effort. That is the principle of quantum manifestation, which is proven to be effective.
Thank you so much, Wade, for those beautiful closing words. And I'll echo that actually a number of years ago, one of my mentors, esoteric mentor said, Rachel, you have to make sure your grounding is in place. And now I kind of get why. So body, mind, spirit, energy, you know, hang out with Wade Lightheart on his show, the awesome health podcast, learn more at biooptimizers.com. Be sure to use promo code B and B 10. So that's the ampersand for 10% off and, Wade, I could just listen to you speak for hours and thank you for sharing your insights and where you think that, you know, nootropics is going to be in regards to transhumanism and the two different choice points. Very cool. I've never heard anybody say that. So thank you so much for your time today. It's a pleasure having you here. Always a slice. Always seems like it's too short. I wish we could have got to some more questions, but hey, maybe next time. And uh, we'll get you guys on my show awesome health podcast by the way free course to everybody that goes to buy optimizers give it away the whole system kind of explains everything so. amazing thank you so so much thank, thank you, you. Thank you guys so much for tuning into Beauty and the Biohacker today. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to leave a comment or share it on your social media account and we'll give you a shout out. And don't forget to head over to beautyandthebiohacker.com to check out all our episodes and our favorites page where we include our curated list of products with special discount codes just for you guys. And while you're there, sign up for our newsletter because we're sharing some exclusive content and giveaways ways you won't want to miss.